On today's episode, we catch up from two weeks ago where we started to talk about the dry processing. Um, we kind of finish up that episode, and one thing I realized is at the very end of our first part to dry processing, I think I had mentioned that the next week we would finish it. So we did skip a week. We put Christmas coffee for a crowd in there, um, so I apologize for that. But now you're about to hear the episode that concludes last week, or sorry, two weeks ago's episode. Welcome to Bean Stuff. Because when you pick it, no matter, because it's on a tree, right. you're going to get some twigs, it may be stuff from the ground, you may some stones, some cobwebs, whatever it may be. Cobwebs? Well, I was thinking of spiders That's on really trees. small. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, the tree spiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mate. Uh, Those will ruin your cup. <laughs> <laughs> some really like them. Uh, <laughs> Tastes like chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they take that, that bucket, and you're right, and now they need to tip it into something. Some will, will just just tip it onto the ground and sort through manually and pick wow. out those twigs and the stones and things. Yeah. Um, and what it, or you could sort it with these different ways you can What's do that. What's the one to do with this sieve? Like a large circular you, sieve. You'll see pictures of that and that's true. And it's not, it's not made up. It's where they, they have the coffee chews there and they, they are very good at doing this, but they'll they toss it, toss it in the air. And you'll see pictures of that uh, as the chews all go up. And also the twigs and stones go up and what they're aiming at is the, the cherries will come mm. down and those twigs and they'll blow, uh, is that called winnowing, I think? Winnowing, yeah. And they, they those things go to the ground and you've, 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 already, you've just started the sorting process. You can do it by manually, but uh, some, some way you need to start getting those things. Again, you have a problem with a the cup then if you've got a stone, well, there's a problem with the grinder. Well, and just... I- Real quick, you have a little box of things you've found in the green oh, bean bags, even. That's true. And it's, it, it, it is incredible, the range of stuff. There's cigarette oh, butts. Oh, there's all sorts. We bullets. Found bullets. We found bullets in there. That, that could be risky. It could be risky in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's right. Kaboom. Oh, my. Oh, I should get paid danger money when I'm roasting. <laughs> marbles. There are a lot of marbles in there. It's just amazing what well, you find there. And that's after it's gone through all the process. So it's amazing. Yeah, that's come that's from later the pro- on. Yeah. But even how much can get, you know. And this, there's a lot, actually, one of the biggest things you'll have in that box is little bits of cement. Huh. And that's Which from is um, interesting. the drying patio yeah. that we're going to get to. Hopefully one day we'll get to the drying patio. <laughs> and as they, they rake that up and they get those beans um, back into uh, like another container, they right. will rake up cement with it at the same time. And obviously this part of the process is pretty much identical for all processes so far uh, yes that's to true. some extent yeah and uh, the sorting it, it can be done winnowing yes. winnowing away i like that um manually by just sorting through it. it i would assume that at a certain you know scale there are people or places that do it mechanically as well yes oh yes the, the, very much so and the more availability you have to the technology then you can upgrade that quite a bit right after you've done all that, then often, not always, but often it will go into some water contain a uh, water rinsing it, rinsing it, which is another way of sorting it. Mm. And also the water, also you get um, floaters, they call them, and some mm. sink to the bottom. And now you you take the floaters off because they're unripe; they don't have as much sugar. They're not as heavy, so they don't mm, sink to the dense. bottom. Yeah, and so and some have density sorters. Interesting. Yeah, that's what that's the basic idea of a density sorter. But uh, the um. That's another part of the process that these coffee yeah. trees that you've ch- picked off the tree, 
and that's this is where it does this start is this is kind change. of like where the river forks exactly off into exactly all the different process because i mean really all of that's eh, typical yeah ish yeah. ish-esque you know yeah i'm i'm so nervous to say that's exactly what oh, it is because there's always something you, you know? would be wrong <laughs> yeah exactly um but this is where the dry process really takes the driver's seat yep yep um so the first thing is the beans are laid out Yes. And now we're getting into some meat and potatoes. Yes. For differences in even the dry process. Oh, it's amazing. It's crazy how you have so many different processes, process high, that affect it. (laughs) But there's also so many different techniques within that process. Yes. Yes. It's it's a lot. So you lay it out. And when you say lay it out, Mm. what are you going? Because you're there. You're physically there. Right. going to empty these containers um, of coffee however you've done that mm-hmm. sort it and what are you going to lay it on well and here's a question are you going to lay it on a, something that mm-hmm. you have at your farm or are you taking it somewhere i, I would assume there's differences mm-hmm. i mean you, you could do either depending if, on where you are if you don't have the space you're going to need to take it to your neighbor or whoever Which you can is an interesting piece again because it adds more cost to the farmer if they have to take it somewhere yep. and pay for that, that transport again but let's say let's say you've got a coffee farm Yes. You by do. the way, I, yeah. I I don't have a coffee farm. By the way, but um, oh dang it! <laughs> <laughs> I've I've seen pictures even of of in I think it was I think it was uh, Indonesia, but mm. mm-hmm. um, of of it being laid on the front footpath. Let me call it. Looked pretty rustic, yeah. but uh, with cars zooming past and trucks zooming past, and they were drying their coffee probably more for their own use, but mm. I got a feeling, no, it was going to be passed on for commercial use. Well, and that's another, I mean, that's another piece to it is where you're drying it. What is the environment around that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that can affect it hugely. Obviously, we have fruit. That, I mean, think about how what happens if you put a banana in a bag with anything else almost? Mm-hmm. You know, you pull that thing out, you put it in a bag of coffee in there. Mm-hmm. The banana is going to, its flavor or its scent is going to spread. Gonna so if there. we think of, I mean, not all coffee is right next to a banana, but, you know, there's other things that can hugely and drastically affect that flavor depending on mm-hmm. the environment that the beans are sitting in. And uh, the two basic ones, though, will be what we call a patio. So it's like a large slab of concrete out there. Mm-hmm. And the other one that's becoming a little more common too is the raised bed. And that, that just means it, it's it's raised off the ground. So mm-hmm. now you've got and you've got uh, like a almost like a mesh meshy or... sort of thing, yeah. And you put the the, the these um seeds, not seeds, these cherries, cherries. onto them and you've now got mm. uh, the 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 temperature can be controlled a little more because you've got airflow coming from underneath and yeah. on top and you can sort of rake it, whatever, hard to do on a mesh in some ways, but they do, <laughs> like a more like a trowel. Right. And uh, that can keep it turning over so you're keeping a consistent temperature, which is harder if you put it onto a patio. Mm. There you do need to use a rake to keep turning over. Otherwise the sun comes out, which is what you want. Mm-hmm. And uh, the top part dries really nicely, but underneath it's still wet or got uh, water moisture going yeah. on in there. And I think that that's interesting. It's, it's important to make sure that it does dry and there's different, you know, even different methods of, you know, how dry and different things like that. But there's, you know, we we the moisture within that could potentially cause mold or it could potentially cause exactly other issues that we that we don't want within our bean and and it's like 
yeah, I mean, there's so many. Like the bean is such, or the cherry is such a vulnerable. It's delicate. It's in a vulnerable time. state. Vulnerable. That's a good word. Yes. Because yes. yeah, you like you said, you have to rake it, and mm-hmm. and again, raking it on if you're on just a concrete patio, that could you know pull up some of the concrete. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it mixes yeah. in a lot yeah, with right. that. And so you know, you're obviously you're introducing all these other factors that mm-hmm. have the potential to change the the flavor or just. The consistency of and the that potential to change another huge one we mm. don't we just take for granted is weather. Yeah, how many how many times you know in a winter or summer do you go, man, the weather is hotter or colder? Mm-hmm. And coffee doesn't adapt. Mm-hmm. It it changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you can put the coffee out, and there's different very amounts of weeks. And there's another thing the farmer needs to know, is it going to be two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? But if it rains suddenly, Mm. it's going to change if it's two, three or four weeks. It also means what am I going to do with this water now that's pelting down on my coffee? It's changing the temperature of the cherry. Right. And uh, what's your reaction to that? And, you know, one of the best things to do is to pull something, a tarpaul or something over top of it because you want to keep that rain off. But then that traps in the moisture and the, you know, humidity within Mm -hmm. the bean there. And are you going to, what happens if it happens in the middle of the night? You're going to get out of bed and, and, put it over and then the sun comes out you want to take the tarpaulin off otherwise you're going to get all this incubated sort of heat uh, well, and especially in, in places where it is literally on a patio in the back yep yard mm-hmm. you know yeah, around, that's you true know, it's like how do you how do you temperature control that you can't mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so you are super dependent on the weather mm-hmm. and you know drying times are typically two to four weeks but like you said if it rains all of a sudden it's like well these are not dry mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. will not you know, it, we won't be able to hold them properly. In yeah. That kind of thing. yeah. So it's like there is so much, there's so much, so many variables. It's it's almost amazing that any of that actually lines up. Funny you say it, Reed. I've thought that many times <laughs> that uh, when you go into delve into something, you think, how on earth do we get this cup of coffee in the morning? Right. How does this end up in my cup tasting anything? Yeah. Like, how does it taste Let good? alone really good. Right. We could all be drinking Robusta. It would make more sense because it's more resilient. But... Mm-hmm. But we're not. We have this complexity of flavor, and it's like, man, someone's putting in some hard work. Lots of people. And part of that hard work, then, if you're the farmer, and this is where I say you don't tend to think of all this happening mm. many thousands of miles away in a different country, right. different people. You don't even know them. Right. But how does that farmer who's, this is his livelihood or her livelihood, right? how do they know when the two, three, four weeks is up? Right. When do they know it's dry enough and it's not too dry? It's not over dry? Inconsistency year to year. Well, that's another whole topic. You've you got to do it all again next year and using, the weather pattern's going to be different. Right. And using that dry process, you are dependent on the weather. So like you said, the weather's mm-hmm. going to be different. And then the time or, you know, when you determine that it's it's ripe, <laughs> not ripe as fruit, but I guess ripe yes. in the drying stage mm-hmm. to pull and then to, to, to move along in that process. How do you know if you're pulling it at the same rate of dryness or, you know, those kind of aspects? It's just... It's amazing. And that's, I mean, that, you know, that goes into all of our, you know, like cupping. It's why that's important and stuff. But uh, what I wanted to highlight as well is why the dry process or one of the interesting parts of that dry process, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, but the bean or the skin of the bean acts as an incubator for Mm. the actual 
the entire like internals of the fruit. It, it's quite amazing when you think about it like that. Mm. Is that you've got the the skin that's then you've got mucilage underneath the fruit or the coffee, and then you've got the seed under so that. Gross sometimes. It's not like someone sneezing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get quite excited by oh, it anyway. Mucilage, mate. Mucilage. It does see where you're going there. The um, sounds but, like mucus. But you get the <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think, I'm, glad, I'm glad you just put that out there like that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can edit that later. But the sun comes out and there's no clouds, there's no rain. The sun comes out and it heats, it, it goes through the skin and heats up that, that mucilage, sorry, the fruit, if you want to call it that. <laughs> no, mucilage is fine. And it heats that up and that starts to become more liquid-like. And where does the liquid go? The skin holds it in there and mm. in it goes to the seed. And this is the one of the big positives of, of the natural process. And right. that, that fruit, which has flavor to it, uh, has sugar, has lots of things going on in there, now is enabled in some way to go into the seed itself. Right. And it's almost like it, it's infusing. It's like, you know, it's like brining a turkey. Ooh. Yeah. Where you, you know, you cut, I think this is what brining a turkey is, but basically you cover it with, you know, different like, uh, well, maybe I don't know what it is, <laughs> but you do different broths or yes. um, different things to like to soak uh, moisture into the bird, and then you cook it, and so it doesn't dry yep, out. Exactly, it's, it's kind That's, of that process uh, yeah, of yeah. you are using what's around it to soak into mm-hmm. it, so that you can absorb all the flavor from that. That's fruit. true. Another example would also be uh, red and white wine. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know so much about this. Uh, people can say, write in and say, hey, that's not how it works, or yes, that's <laughs> work, or did you understand this part of it? Have you ever had wine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the, the red wine, I believe uh, it, it mm. uh, takes in the skin and the right. whole product is, is in the beverage. That's why it's red, possibly, compared <laughs> to white wine that right. leaves out the skin out and the tannins are not there and therefore it's white. But that has a real effect on whether you like red or white wine. Yeah. This is going to have a real effect on whether you like natural process or wet process. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good example of how those differences, like you think of red and white wine and there's a large, like you think of a really big difference in wine mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. coffee is the same. I mean, there is a lot of difference within the two ways you process. Like if you can get two coffees processed two different ways. Brilliant. You know, it's an interesting taste test because they are really different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you almost say, is this the same coffee? This is amazing <laughs> right. that they can get that that tweak that they do there. They can, the, from the genetics, it is changed in some way enough to me go, wow, I, I these are different. Right. Which would take us on to how does the farmer mm. choose their for If he can do both or she can do both, right? why would you choose one rather yeah, why would and you do? Why would you do the dry process over, you know, a a wet process, a honey process, a semi pulp? Why would why would you go with the dry process? One of the the first things that comes to my mind is it's simple. You know, mm-hmm, there's not mm-hmm. a lot of equipment needed other than space yes. <laughs> and flat ground. That's right. That's a big one. And I mean, and and in some cases, that's that's a big ask. That's you know, there there you know, you might be in a mountainous terrain where mm-hmm. you where you just don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is organic. It's organic. I mean, you're not adding anything, yep. literally. <laughs> and it's, in a sense, simple mm. in terms of uh, you, through through generational, you can be told and right. taught how to do it, and you can do it. You don't have all the equipment that some other farmer may have, but you've learnt 
through your father or your mother or whoever, mm. you have learnt that yeah. uh, this this can be done in our back little yard, how however many hectares it is. Mm-hmm. I I could do this, and I think that's an important piece of it too, because I think it really like as we start to go through these in different episodes, it is obviously the like you know the quote unquote simplest or. Um, I don't know if easiest is the right word because there's definitely not anything easy about it. Mm-hmm. But I think what's interesting is that it, can, it it doesn't necessarily mean it's worse or it doesn't taste as good. I think, you know, in some cases it can have better taste. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's subjective to the person tasting the coffee, whoever's roasting it. Right. But it's, it, you know, it, you know what it seems like? What's it's that? almost like a recipe that there is nothing written down for. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's like, oh, grandma passed this recipe down for this apple pie or this mm-hmm. curry recipe. And it's like, there is no recipe, but it's been passed down generation yep. after generation. Yep. And while, you know, Betty Crocker might have a good recipe in there that's written out, so it's a different process. Mm-hmm. The one that is passed down is the is a more intuitive kind of feel and feel it mm-hmm. out. And there's benefits to both. I mean, there someone might come over for dinner and say, this is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking of a soup that you made once. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but at the same time, you know, it may have qualities that are better depending on who you are, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so so yeah. I did want to highlight that it doesn't necessarily, just because it's simple, just because it's exactly the like, most cost effective or whatever, doesn't mean that it's the worst. And it's getting so much better as we learn some of the science Hopefully, yeah. some science gets trickled back into that learning process you're talking about and saying, actually, if we do it for three weeks rather than two weeks, what's the difference? What's it taste? Oh, this is much better. Well, and it's interesting, too, because I think if let's say you go to a coffee shop and you really like the coffee. Mm-hmm. So anybody out there, this is a challenge. Mm-hmm. I would say it'd be interesting to drink it again because mm-hmm. that would be good. Mm-hmm. I would hope. Yes. Um, once you've done that, ask the barista. Do you know if this is a, a natural or what process this Whoa. is? And maybe not every barista is going to know. No. Um, you are going to look like an absolute coffee genius at the coffee mm-hmm. shop. But mm-hmm. it, I think it would also be interesting for you to know what you're drinking. Mm-hmm. The and good- then if you find one that you don't like, yes, but it's also you know maybe at the same coffee shop, you don't like that specific coffee or mm-hmm. at a different coffee shop, you know they're making good coffee, they're doing a good job, but you just don't like the taste, ask them again and see if the process is different. Wow, you're starting to do one, something we said once before, you're starting to think yes, about your coffee yeah. and realizing if I think about that, I can realize I can have even a better cup than I had yesterday. Oh, I think that's uh, with coffee, um, I was I was chatting with someone on Instagram mm-hmm. recently and they had mentioned that, yeah, just wow, if you, if you just stop and think, mm-hmm. for, you know, just pause for a second and think, there's so much to coffee. We we just got done going through some of the botany side of it, and it's just even in that there's mm, so yeah, much. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a whole lot. Yeah, getting but, back to what we were saying about yeah. So how does the farmer decide? How do they decide? What are the things they're looking at? I would say they're looking at how much rain is in the forecast if they're able to see the forecast. Right. Um, but if there's a lot of rain around, they're probably going to say no. Let's not do natural processes if they have because it may that not be luxury. the most reliable mm-hmm. way to to do it year to year. I mean, if you too much rain, you're going to get the coffee trees are going to perhaps start splitting. Uh, you're going to have to change your period of time that you have the coffee beans, uh, uh, coffee trees sitting out there on the patio, wherever they are. If you've got a little bit of rain, it's really hot, then you think, mm, this could be a good time to do some natural. If mm. you have, again, that's a luxury. Some just have to do it the same way every time. Do some farms year to year change? 
I'm not sure so much how they change, but they have different parts of the farm. They do different things. Mm. Um, I'm sure some do change, but I think they they probably get really good at one, and that's their bulk, uh, their bed, uh, bread and butter, mm. and then they can start doing some other, and that, that could become the bed, bread and butter as well. But, but yeah. I think there's little things. I remember looking on some of the Brazilian farms, and you see some of the dried cherries. look like raisins almost. <laughs> they uh, do. They shrivel up. They shrivel up. And, and But then you've got some wet process going on as well. You're like, oh, that's different again. So some of the bigger farms perhaps have the ability to do a bit of both or, or some of the different processes, honey, whatever it may be. And I think it depends on the size of farm as well. Yeah, how very much, much they so. have to, to process. What What are some of the negative aspects of, I mean, we, we've, you know, we've talked and tried to, you know, kind of crusaded for the, you know, the, the benefits and how it's not a poor man's method of, of processing, but there are risks and, and, and that's there the same are, with every method, but yes. what are some of the major risks with the dry process? Yeah. And you're right. This one, Potentially, I was going to say, has a few more possibilities to go wrong, mm. um, which is, is not so nice. But one, you could over-dry the yeah. cherry. And what would that do to the flavor if you over-dry it? Well, if you over-drive the, the, the cherry, it's going to become brittle and mm. it's, it's really going to be un not going to be able to go through the hulling process, which is taking, just sort of like scraping those layers off. It's so brittle that the whole thing is just going to come apart as such. Mm. And you're going to lose the whole integrity of the bean. Right. And so it may not actually make it past the other stages of, of the process. Yes, the hulling, which comes getting, later. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the other, another one would be, um, it's going to be uh, too moist. Right. And once you get too much moisture in there, if you, you haven't got the, the the timing right as such and mm-hmm. you may you may not have ever heard of a refractometer that can you know you can put it in there and see what the sugar content is and yeah Good stuff. yeah and <laughs> but, but you can it, use that to check the contents kind of the yep. com- composition of the bean there but a lot of people won't have one of those and mm. therefore if it's too moist it's you got the now big possibility of of mold growing that's true uh, on the outside of the cherry that can it can ruin your whole harvest as well, such. Well, and then you have, uh, f- it could start fermenting. That's a big one. That is a big one. And you're right. And that's part of this natural process. That is the balance there of right. how do you not go too far and ferment? You may want a little bit, but you don't want too much. Right. Uh, you start throwing, you start really throwing the numbers and, and, and balance can get thrown. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a balancing act at that point, yes. You mentioned you don't know much about red wine, but you also suggested that, that, that the fermentation part could be like too many tannins in wine. I did say that. That's a pretty big word for a oh, non-wine guy. I know, I know. I do my tannins, re- man. <laughs> I, do, I do my tannins. reading. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are, there are those risks. And again, there's risks with all different... Uh, processes, but those are some big ones. And I think that the, with the dry process, there's no marker for like, it's done. I mean, there is, but it's not like you yes. have a very, like you have to choose that point. And you know, the other process, like the wet one, we're going to get to that one day, but you know, they have the same problem of when do you pull, when do you right. stop the fermentation right. on the tank? Yeah. There's the word again. They want fermentation, mm-hmm. but you can have too much uh, and yeah. it can go badly wrong on you. Get into now. Yes. The, the, the bulk of why, it matters, is how does it affect the cup? Oh, as the consumer, I'm sitting in a coffee shop right now. Yep, yep. I'm drinking a cup of of dry processed, natural processed, Ethiopian Yergachev. Oh, yes. 
Oh, it's good stuff. I just had it as a pour over. Oh, it's, it's delicious. Probably more likely to be a hurrah, but <clears throat> you know, that's all right. Or I'm having a hurrah. <laughs> yeah. I have it through an AeroPress. I'm oh. just sitting there. I'm sipping. I'm yep. enjoying. Yes. I'm thinking, why the heck do I even care how it's processed? It tastes good. Mm-hmm. What 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 is dry process? How is dry process? Mm-hmm. How is the natural process going to impact the flavor of oh, my cup? Uh, I mean, that is the question. That is a good question. And my simple answer, it is going to affect tremendously Mm. your cup of what you actually passes your lips, goes onto your taste buds, and you're going to go, whoa, or one of those two things. Yeah. Yep. And I think you were saying with natural coffees, and again, this is a bit of a generalization Mm because not every Mm. single coffee from every country is going to have the same flavor. Yes. Shocker. (laughs) (laughs) But natural uh, coffee flavor profiles, what do we, what can we kind of generalize to expect within those uh, flavor? Like I think of like diversity. Diversity is a good word for a natural. um, I've heard lots of words used out there and I've, Tasted a lot of these words, which I'm very What do words fortunate. taste like? Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are the more syllables they have, does it have a more complex taste? Uh, the, yeah, <laughs> the more adjectives you can get into it. It's mm, great. Different um, languages have a different zest. <laughs> they do. They go. But I would say for typical words I've heard out there and tasted yeah. is, is you've got <laughs> fruity flavors is often used. Yeah. You've got uh, sweet and intense fruity notes. I'm using the word fruity again. Yeah. Sometimes citrusy, a lime acidity they would talk about. Mm. Here's my one of my favorites. I yeah, and yeah. You often hear in the harao when you mentioned, you'll hear this in the natural process, mm. has a strong, sweet strawberry jam. Can you imagine? I think I need to that? get up and get a uh, get like some kind of biscotti or something now with my spra- strawberry jam. Ooh, there you go, mate. Well, and I think it's interesting that even that process can have some generalizations towards it's kind of profile for the bean. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, especially if you have a certain type of bean that has some of those kind of flavors in its profile naturally, that dry process may help to accentuate that a little bit more. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, I got to add a few more, Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go tropical for it. fruit, bergamot, black tea, dry chocolate. Oh, I, I read this bean of gold mountain, uh, gold mountain coffee growers said some of our naturals end up tasting more like a tropical fruit salad or fruit fruit compity than coffee. Wow. We, you know it's we had uh we had that geisha blend from Indaba. Yes. And if you haven't checked out Indaba, check him out. Mm-hmm. Great coffee. And good roaster. It's a good roaster. Mm-hmm. Tim Onquist. He was yeah, on the there podcast. Yeah. But you open up the bag and just Boom. It yep. was just like, it was like, it was almost like laying out blueberries on the table. Mm-hmm. Now I have no idea what process it was because I, I forgot to look or probably remember. natural. But it it is interesting how you know the 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 process you choose that that might be also part of the of the the choice you have for it. if you're cupping if if the grower has the opportunity to cup his roasted coffee mm-hmm. he may choose different processes yeah. based on its flavor yeah and I you know we in our culture we get the barista who's up front who right. you see who you buy your coffee who makes your coffee for you is that who that is yeah that's the barista <laughs> <laughs> for you Reed that's me in the morning <laughs> do, do they make words as well that are tasty <laughs> no that's the roaster <laughs> no no the baristas do yeah and they can control the cup of coffee with their jugs and kettles and boiling and, and sounds scales like a, sounds like a DJ <laughs> yeah it is a bit it is a bit but what they they probably do realize but the the fate 
of those beans mm. or the success of those beans right. was was sealed way, way earlier. And it's what we're talking about while it's still green in its mm. green state many thousands of miles away. And that's when yeah. what we're talking about actually produced the flavor that the brister is tweaking, that the roaster tweaks. Yeah. And, but, but it came from the farm from this plant called the coffee and I think plant. that's that's probably another you know a, a piece that's important, especially if you are a barista, if you are making coffee, anybody really is understanding that process because it does seal in somewhat of the fate of the bean itself. Um, so you know it, it's it's in some ways helpful to know that you know oh we're getting this new coffee and what kind of coffee is mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it may change the process you do. If you're making it at home, you might say oh, I'm going to do a pour over instead of through the espresso machine or different different ways of doing it. I mean, that's a really good point too, Reed, because you get these different coffees we've been talking about here, we're talking about natural mm. uh, and some of those flavors I talked about are going to be tweaked by a Chemex, by a pour over, by right. a Aeropress, right. by an espresso, definitely, by yeah. a mocha pot. It's going to tweak it so you will bring out whatever method you used at the yeah. end product to, to make your coffee is going to just just finish the whole process off. From the farm right. to the roaster to the where you bought your coffee to home, suddenly you go, yes, we've all done a great job. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I, you know, I just thought of an interesting fact that we had chatted about that I forgot to infuse into Ooh, the podcast. Good word, tasty word. Um, is uh, is that the natural process or dry process was actually banned in some countries? That's right. It it got a bad rap. Um, and Such a stigma. Stigma, that's another word for it. And partly because of those negatives we were talking about, and mm. it could sort of really ruin stuff. Um, and we can talk about a whole country. The country wants to export their coffee, possibly. They don't want to get that bad rap. So yeah. they, they banned it. I think I was reading, I don't know, Rwanda and Burundi, some of those places that I think mm. it may be changing now. Right. But some countries just said, no, we're not going to, that's, that's too risky. We're not going to do that. And that's an interesting part of it as well, is some of that decision might be based on hey, I don't know if we can make this or guarantee this is going to turn out well. And if this is ruined, you know, I'm sunk. I have nothing I have nothing to fall mm-hmm. back on. So mm-hmm. it's like part of that that decision process is based on not necessarily just, just the profit, but like, will I profit from this? I exactly. That is, that is the profit. But <laughs> it's... Uh, the good news there is that I think some places that it, whether it's banned or not, uh, around the world, they're, yeah. they're, 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 they're experimenting some of these different processes from different countries, mm. different beans from different countries, and they're, you know, and they're, they're putting it out there and saying, actually, this could work. This is yeah. why it hasn't worked. This is why it could work. In fact, in this country, it works even better. Well, that's a good news story. Yeah. I mean, so that's that's kind of a, you know, I, I, I'm sure we could spend weeks on the dry process. I mean, there's so much so much more to it, I guess. I'd like to go back to botany, mate. Let's go back to botany for a couple I never liked that at school, but... (laughs) (laughs) But that's kind of an overview of the dry process, what it is, how it affects your being, what's important about that and why. Um, Yeah. yeah, You got something? Just the last thing I would say is too, Mm. when you, if you... You roast your own. You're going to look at the notes that the roaster or where you get your green beans from. Yeah. Or if you're buying a packet of coffee, I would suggest 
not only looking at the flavor notes, yeah. but turning the bag over upside down, wherever it is. Wherever it's printed. Wherever it's printed. Look at what the process is and say, Interesting, ah, yeah. these two are both natural. This one's not, hmm, I'm going to try this one. And other, just to make you think again, actually the process has a huge impact on that final flavor and that final cup of coffee. Well, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do different types of processed or different processes for coffee affect how you roast them? Oh, yes, they do. It's a yeah. huge one. That's a very important question a roaster needs to ask himself. Yes. Simple answer is if you've got a natural, that can be softer. Mm. Therefore, you need to go slower like you're doing the scones in the oven. You don't want to burn the outside and not cook the inside. You want to right. just slowly. So you can see it's a that's a big topic. Mainly for the roaster has to know how to roast that processed coffee. Sure, there's elevation, there's density in there as well, which is all part of it. But uh, the process is the starting point. Say, okay, this this Brazil is a natural. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay, that that's a good thing to know. And where I'm going to start this roast, what temperature I'm going to start it at. Yeah, I mean that's a huge thing that like so so you would say with naturals they're gen- generally a softer bean when you roast. Typically, and that makes sense when you think about how the suns come out, the they're juices almost are gone sitting in, sitting in their own a bath yeah. of the own mucilage yeah. for a while. And another big one, as I say, densities in this well, how high it was grown and things like that. that that's yeah. important, but the process is going to have an impact on that very thing you talk about. Yeah, so it's not just flavor; it is roasting; it is everything, mm-hmm. really. Um, but yeah, that kind of wraps up our episode for dry process. Mm-hmm. Again, if you have any questions, always feel free to reach out to us. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get it. Apple Podcasts is where I subscribe to a lot of mine. Um, and and leave us a, leave us a little comment. Tell us how we're doing. Um, but again, beanstuff.com, all our stuff's there. Feel free to check us out. Send us a send us a, a comment or a request. Um, but thank you so much for listening for getting to this part of the podcast Um, we really enjoy making these for you and we hope that they're helpful (laughs) but uh, we will uh, yeah bean stuff out 